0: AMI Plus has officially launched, as you know, we've been talking about it on the program. The new platform features a slick, modern look and puts AMI original award-winning content right at the forefront. AMI is uh, fully compatible with all of our technology out there, the accessible technology we have, including screen readers and magnifiers, also Windows and Apple, uh, excuse me, yeah, Windows windows and apple and android platforms and devices belonging to all those platforms check it out folks visit amiplus.ca to to learn all about it and that's plus spelled out folks not the plus sign don't even think you can use it kelly mcdonald with ramia muthan
1: and as it's friday let's get into our app update lots to talk about here today including some art with john Bieler.
2: hi i'm john Bieler technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut.
1: So, John, I've been trying to grasp this first item. I think you can do a better job explaining it than we can. So, tell us because artists can now use a data poisoning tool to confuse doll e and corrupt AI scraping. Uh, so, essentially, this is to what help artists keep their uh, the the rights and the authenticity to their projects and work.
2: That's the goal, at least. Uh, this is a really interesting project from a professor at MIT, or sorry, at the University of Chicago. And what he's developed is a tool called Nightshade. And essentially, what this is, is this allows artists to incorporate uh, into their artwork, um, this tool. And essentially, what they do is they upload it to uh, this tool. Uh, it secretly embeds some metadata and some uh, hidden pixels inside their artwork. And essentially what happens is when that particular piece of art that they publish then gets um, uh, ingested into these AI systems that are um, basically learning from various artists about Mm. styles and uh, types and things like that effectively what this is meant to do is to actually poison the data set. Uh, it'll confuse the data set and it will also uh, obscure that particular artist's work. So it for example, if it's a, uh, a picture of a, of a car, it'll think it's a cow, for example. So uh, that kind of thing. so it, it'll it'll you won't get the results that you expect and this particular artist's work, in theory, will be protected from being uh, copied or duplicated uh, or mimicked, I should say, uh, using these AI
1: tools. And so what is it doing? Is it adding its own layer or is it scrambling the elements that are already there? You said metadata. I think it's
2: doing, I think it's doing a little bit of everything. It's trying. What it's trying to do is um, uh, basically obscure the image uh, to the point that a human couldn't really tell, but the AI systems can tell. And and there's a couple different ways they're doing this, using uh, basically pixels and a very uh, subtle changes to the actual source image.
1: Okay, and when you wow. say humans can't tell, you're saying we'll be able to see the original form of the yeah. image of, or of the work, but AI is That's not right. able to handle the interesting...
2: Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you can think of this as like a um, like a virus for the AI language models. Uh,
1: yes, yeah. At least that's
2: the intent. Um, I've heard from a few of my artist friends; they're a little skeptical that this would actually do that. Um, but essentially, this is meant to poison the language mod or the models so that. Um, it gets confused when it's trying to draw something from a text prompt, for example, and it's also not going to be doing it in a certain person's style because that style has been obfuscated from uh, these language models.
1: Now, do you wow. see any faults to this um, in terms of the actual AI machine learning and such that we're practically encouraging, right? And and seeing that it's only going to get deeper and deeper understanding of art understanding of styles etc cetera, etc cetera. uh do you think that this will put a pause on that
2: well um people came up with viruses for computers and then they came up with antivirus i imagine <laughs> okay. will have its own form of bug repellent if you will um and and but it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out this is basically you know the artist's attempt at protecting their uh intellectual property sure. and yeah. sort of yeah. livelihoods. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what this does to these language models and how over time, because uh, the more you use these models, the the, in theory, the better they get, but also right. um, the types of results you get, once they've been poisoned, it'll be interesting to see what we're going to start getting uh, mm. just from a, a creative aspect. You know, it's hard to yeah. say what's going to happen if you're trying to mimic a certain style or a certain object in these things uh and if how much of the poison does it take to actually take effect Mm. yeah it's one thing like a very small drop in the ocean uh as far as the amount of poison but um it's just a little too soon to say Mm. it's a good way to handle the intellectual
0: part of it for now until someone figures out that way and i think before we'd say oh well they've got a watermark on it if it's being posted somewhere if you're displaying we're going much further than that so that any copying but i think for a lot of the artists like you said john the style stuff is really to them their bread and butter too it's one thing to say hey i've got this piece but oh how you doing well i want to sell you and teach you how to do it so take my class or or learn from me and and i need to be credited i need to be compensated for for what i teach so i think that's that's some of it too that's that we just can't steal like we are with people's voices and so on um your next item exactly. is a google rolls out inclusive assistance and this is fantastic i think for for uh low vision wheelchair users and beyond
2: john yeah, we we just talked about some of the new things that are coming with Android 14 a little while ago and right. now they've continued to roll out these new features and some of the neat features that I came across that I thought were really uh, worth mentioning is um right now there's a lot of opportunities for business owners to self-identify as being like woman-owned or black-owned those types of things now you you can actually be disabled-owned business so you can flag that for your communities and your potential customers um So, and that actually pops up right in Google Maps uh, as as you're sort of going through things. Um, They've also added screen reader capabilities in the lens in Maps. So this allows you to basically... um, uh, people that are blind or low vision, they can now access uh, these new fi- uh, capabilities uh, when you lift up your camera and you point at something, uh, because it's uh, basically going to be able to identify things that are relevant to that community more so than just saying, well, that's a car or that's a, a bike or whatever. Um, right. So again, just a further refinement of these functionality. Um, and now they're adding wheelchair accessible walking routes in Google Maps, Uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, These are useful for um, people in wheelchairs, but also for people traveling with strollers and luggage as well. So Mm -hmm. is this going to be something you can navigate yourself or do you need someone to help you uh, or do you need to find a different route to get into this place? So um, just a whole bunch of really interesting um, uh, additions to sort of the overall Google mapping system and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and how, all those things are connected, like all the business ownerships and yeah, how you yes. actually get, to get there and things you can do inside those businesses.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of, of the identifying businesses that way, because and, and for everybody. I know we have our preferences, whether it's a comfort thing or just saying, you know, and you can't be hypocritical and say, well, I don't really need to know. I'm, I'm looking for the best price, the best product, whatever, but we also are very much in mind to support certain, say, an Indigenous business or or, or something. So I do like that, giving people the choice. I love what the Google Lens can do if you're trying to find it. And in a lot of our communities, there are a lot of buildings, if you start thinking about it, that I would think would fall under this, John, because of whether it's City Hall, whether it's the police station, whatever it might be that you could get done that way, and someone needing, I need to find this, or I'm looking for that, without it being overdone. There's a lot of reason for whether it's restaurants or whatever, because you think about the apps that do all these things and having a few apps to, to navigate your, your community to find whether it's a restaurant or art places or certain things. And here you are looking at Google Lens, being able to to, to step into that void.
1: John, how much of this um, is dependent on or at least takes a lot of us putting in the information we know you know you go into google maps and they're like report a problem or uh, tell us if something's wrong here or add information that you know about this business is it relying a lot on that
2: it's hard to hard to tell for sure because google hasn't specified that but i think the result of you making a report only influences their decisions to further enhance these functionalities right Uh, i don't think there's like a you know, uh, with Google Maps, they have the the car that goes around with the mapping thing on the roof, um, and I don't know if they have a wheelchair with a mapping thing on on you know attached to the side yet. But certainly, having um, the businesses self-identify and self-contribute um, uh, to these plans mm. uh, is is very helpful. And also, I think um, using those reporting tools to sort of tell google this is a problem you know i can't get there from here because there's a fence or something like that that will only uh, bolster the ability for google to spend resources and fixing and identifying those issues and building out these things the, the big like challenge with always with these things is the scalability like mm. is this only going to be in big cities or is this something that we're going to see in every single city across the world uh it's hard to say at this point yeah, yeah, with
0: con- with contributions, you should be able to see it across the world in theory because so many cities and towns flag it, want people to know. And they're the ones having to put the stuff in, and it's 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 technically available. It's just if it gets reported, just like, hey, if you're going on transit, which stations have so- elevators and don't.
1: Yeah, and part of that is just the information. Another part of it is a bit of the crowdsourcing, right? I think of apps That's like exactly. ways- I think crowd.
0: Yep, yeah, uh,
1: yep. when you yourself can, uh, you know, pinpoint some of the real-time issues and challenges that are going on, and I think yep. for if we're talking accessibility particularly, like wheelchair routes and construction and mm. all these other things, elevators abs- and
0: whatever. Absolutely,
1: real time information would make a huge difference. So, like
0: GPS doing its job for people knowing there's a lot of traffic or something like that. I I think there's just changes in, changes in. The blending of all of this that's crowdsourcing it together along with what's available Mm -hmm. with our GPS and so on. Fantastic.
1: Don't want to leave, John, without talking about Wikipedia. I don't know why this hasn't come out yet with us, at least, but Wikipedia um, is due for a spring cleaning for AIs and credibility issues that are going on obviously right this seems like an obvious statement
2: yeah well it's interesting because i mean the, the whole premise of wikipedia is that it's essentially crowdsourced or crowd um uh edited mm-hmm. uh information about a specific topic person place thing etc and um so now there's been a a new system called side and what this is is meant to do is sort of verify some of the claims in some of these wikipedia entries and i think at this point right now it's really meant to sort of just be like an extra verification level um, because a lot of times uh, especially on a specific uh, topic or uh, it's called a community of topics um, there's a lot of really passionate editors that are sort of keeping those things locked down, trying to verify as best they can. But now this tool will actually use um, uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence to go out and say, hey, um, there's actually a better source for this material somewhere else on the internet. Um, so what they've found so far, though, is that it, about 50% of the time, it actually does find a better Source of confirmation, I guess at least of some of this, uh, some of these entries, and, and it's and you know it's still very early days with this, but the problem that we've talked about a lot is that AI is not always the best um, uh, or the most truthful source of information. So right, right. Um, this is an interesting use case because it's not making stuff up; it's just trying to find a better source of information or a, a better. Um, documented and detailed source of information than maybe uh, some random blog post that's out in the wild you know maybe there's a a more um, uh, better credentials from a a higher institution or something else like that that can actually back up Mm. some of those Elements in Wikipedia, so I think this is really just going to be the start of what we're going to see of uh, verification of data, um, and it's not going to require the manual labor that a lot of these editors would typically have to do to ensure that. Um, but also, it'll be interesting to see how they ha- how this particular approach handles some of the nuances, because sometimes those higher uh, institutions of learning, for example would be considered the source of truth, but maybe it's actually that small blog post from that retired professor that is the right. real truth. So, um, and being able to, to, to tell the differences, uh, and it's not just a, a, a numbers game where like how many people link to this source of truth, for example, that doesn't, give you uh any more credibility Mm -mm. uh, as we found during the pandemic um so it'll be interesting to see how it can manage those types of things and also the weighting that people put on the results this might just be something that's added to the bottom of the wikipedia page saying hey we think this might be some better sources of uh, information for you take a look because in the initial um uh, testing that they've done with this particular uh, uh program or app um like I said, there was about fifty percent of uh, the cases that they they got it right and they 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 had a better source. But then when they when they presented this to a group of the Wikipedia users for that information, twenty one percent preferred the AI suggested citation, citations, while ten percent favored the existing ones. And then, not surprisingly, forty percent thirty nine percent had no particular preference. Basically, they were indifferent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, see, that doesn't surprise me either. I'm just very curious about how we prioritize or how AI prioritizes uh verification, the little the parameters of verification. And also, I think, too, once this gets going or different versions of this kind of thing gets going, we won't be able to rely on just a single source like Wikipedia anymore. You know, Wikipedia is always that first thing that comes up whether or not you believe all the information, whether or not you go further and uh, continue to expand on how you're verifying, like personally and researching through the the content that you're finding on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is always kind of this source to get started with as a leaping off point. But I, I highly doubt that we'll have things like this anymore because there's just too much nuance um, to how AI is being handled also. John, always interesting stuff. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Have a great weekend.
1: You too. John Beeler joins us on Fridays, and he gives us our app update. All right, I think we will be back. Not sure what's going on with Kelly, but we're going to take a break, and in two minutes we'll be back with The Buzz. Bill Shackleton is here Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, as we all know.
0: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.